Hi, I'm Grayson Willis. Thank you for joining us today on the podcast for Harrisonburg Nazarene Church. Be sure to subscribe for the latest updates and new episodes to this podcast. You can now search for our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcast, and TuneIn. Catch us each Sunday at 9 and 10.30 on Facebook Live. Also, this Sunday, we'll have an outdoor service at 9 a.m. together. We're going to dive into a brand new series today. So if you're tuning in for the first time or if it's been a little while, welcome back. And what a great uh, week for you to be jumping in. Uh, This summer we have planned a week. You just heard about best week ever. And that's just not a thing that we do. It's not because we're bored and we need something. We really do believe that the Lord has called us in over this past year in 2020, 2020 is a year of a lot of things, right? But for us as a church, it's a year of the word go, go. And that word is very personal to us because we believe our mission as a church, uh, we say it this way, that we are transformed by God to bring hope to others through Christ. And you can't fulfill that mission statement without obeying the call of God to go. And so this idea in the summer that we planned Uh, This idea that we've been doing throughout the COVID season of be a neighbor, what we're really trying to do is we're just trying to be the church beyond the walls of the church. And so uh, leading up to this best week ever, we wanted to plan a series. And so six months ago, uh, we started talking about what would be a way as we lean in to the heart of God uh, in this idea of go, as we really pray. And many of you are signing up, and many more, I pray, will sign up to be a part of Best Week Ever. Some of you have told me, man, I can't, I, I can't be out and, and do things right now, and you're in a vulnerable population. We get it, but your heart is to love. Your heart is to extend beyond yourself, and we love that. But as we were uh, gearing up for this time of our summer, we wanted to focus around this idea of go, but there's, there's a problem. And this series over the next couple of weeks is really about addressing the problem. The problem is this. Uh, we know, we read, we understand the call to go. The great commission. Jesus is some of his last words that he ever spoke on this earth where he said, all authority has been given to me, therefore go. You've got to go. You can't stand here. Get going. Uh, wherever you go, tell them about me. Baptize them. Uh, make disciples. That was the call of Jesus. And we can acknowledge that, but here's the problem is that oftentimes we like people that are like us. We like people that think like us and like the things that we do and act how we act and have the experiences that we do. And so oftentimes in our lives, and I'm not excluded from this, oftentimes while the call is to go, we love to surround ourselves with what's familiar and what's comfortable and even people that are like us. But that's a problem because the call is to go. And the call isn't just to go to people that look like us and act like us and think like us and believe what we believe. We are called to go. And because of that reason, even months and months and months before a pandemic and months and months and months before uh, the issues of racial injustice and unrest that are happening in our world, months and months and months before this moment in time, we began planning a series about what does it mean to minister in a world of difference, a world that could not be more different. People, our our neighbor, the person across your cubicle, um, in your school, wherever it is, the the people that are so different than you, yes, even them, we're called to go. 
we're called to go. This isn't a new problem. This isn't a new challenge. In fact, uh, we're going to spend some time today in Galatians chapter 3. And Galatians chapter 3, I, I think, uh, is extremely timely for the day in which we're living. I think it's extremely timely speaking to this challenge that we have. The challenge to go, but the challenge to go in a world where, man, it's challenging. And I don't always like people that don't look like me. I don't always like people that don't think like me. I don't like, it's uncomfortable, right, to reach beyond my comfort zone, but we're called to go. In Galatians chapter 3 is so important because in Galatians chapter 3, we have a guy named Paul, the Apostle Paul, and he's, he's writing a letter to a church, and not just any church, this is a church that he helped start. In Galatians chapter 3, Paul's kind of angry. He's kind of ticked off. He's kind of upset by some things, not just that are happening outside of the church, but even in the church, in the name of Jesus, things that are being done. And so we're going to just tune into four verses in Galatians chapter 3 and understand some of the background here. Here's the reality of what's happening in Galatians 3. The church in Galatia is experiencing something kind of miraculous. The Jews and the Gentiles, which there was a very real divide between Jews and Gentiles. There was a very real cultural, racial divide between Jews and Gentiles. And there was a big divide present here. But in the church in Galatia, uh, really for one of the first times, we see Jews and Gentiles worshiping on equal footing. In the same church, a part of the same faith community. And it's a beautiful thing, but not everyone is happy with that. Because our desire is to cling to people that, that are like us. Some people don't like don't like the way that Jews and Gentiles are now coming together. And so there's all kinds of false teaching and not even the opposition from outside the church, but even within the church, there's opposition happening. And so Paul is writing and he's passionate and he's a little bit ticked off, but he's deeply concerned about the church in Galatia. And so we're going to read starting in verse 26 of Galatians chapter 3. Listen to these words, which I think are profound uh, for us today. Paul says this, so in Christ, don't miss those words, in Christ, we're going to come back to that in a minute, but in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. Again, this is the Jews and the Gentiles. He's saying, in Christ, if you identify in Christ, you are all children, you are all children of God through faith. Verse 27, for all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. Just pause for a minute and understand what Paul is saying here. He's saying we, we are all one. We are all children. I don't care what divide that you think there is. I don't care the barriers that you think exist. That if we are in Christ, we are one. And we've been baptized. And that baptized, anytime you're reading that, as Paul's saying it, it's not just this ritual that we think of where somebody stands up and I'm baptized. That's beautiful. But he's talking about being submerged. That we've been, we've been submerged into Christ. And in fact, we've been clothed in Christ. And that idea, it's, it's kind of this identity of, of a new robe. That we, we take off the old robe. We take off the old identity. The garment of sin is gone and we have a new robe of righteousness that we're wearing. That's what Paul says, that when we are in Christ, we're all children. Got it. But then he goes on to specifically address the world of difference. To specifically address the boundary lines that have been drawn. And these are powerful words. Let's keep reading in verse 28. There is neither Jew 
nor Gentile. And we're just going to go through this next verse just line by line, piece by piece, because I want you to understand what he is saying here. But again, again, if you are in Christ, that we are all children of God, and because of that, there is no Jew or Gentile. And this, this represents your culture, right? And, and, and Paul is not saying that your culture no longer matters, but what he's saying is the barrier, the divide that divided your culture, if you are in Christ, you are all children of God, and that is no longer a boundary for you. That is no longer dividing you anymore. In Christ, there is no Jew or Gentile. Not that they, that doesn't matter, not that your culture doesn't matter. Of course it matters, but it is no longer something that separates you from other people. It's not true anymore. And this is important because in the church in Galatia, that, was, that boundary line was important to them. In fact, they were a group of believers. They were called Judaizers. And this is what they taught. Gentiles, you can be believers, but you need to become Jewish first. In other words, yes, yes, we'll accept, we'll become one. We're all children of God if you look like us, if you act like us, if you follow through on the Jewish rituals, then you can become one in Christ. But that is specifically what Paul is teaching. This is not everybody become like the predominant culture of the Jews. No, no, he's saying there is no more Jew or Gentile. That boundary line no longer exists in Christ. That our first lens, this is so important, I want you to hear this today. Our first lens is Christian. That, that is, that if we are children of God, our first lens is not the division of culture or race and, and what. No, 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 no. It, it's not that those things don't matter. It's not that, that that doesn't help. It's a rich part of who you are. But your number one lens, your identity first is in Christ, children of God. Because of that, there is no neither Jew nor Gentile. Next, he says this, there's neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free. Now he's speaking to the socioeconomic status, your position in society, that your economic power, that my interaction with you is not driven by how high or how low you are in society. That boundary line no longer exists. Why? Because we are one in Christ. We are all children of God. So there's neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female. Now pump the brakes if you're thinking, wait, 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 of course there's male, of course there's female, of course, right, right. Paul is not saying that gender no longer exists. What he's saying is that the divide, the boundary lines that we've drawn, that we have pushed back in, he's writing to a culture that would view women and treat women as second class citizens, that women were kept confined, they were disrespected, and this, this you, you better believe this was a boundary in their culture, but, but Paul is saying, no, 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 in Christ, we're all children of God, and because of that, that boundary line no longer, of course you're male, of course you're female, of course that's who you are, but that is no longer what divides us in Christ, nor male, nor female. Finally, he says this, he says, you are all one in Christ. So he's listing the boundaries, right? He's listing the things that divide us. He's listing all the differences that exist. But then he says, no, 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 we are all, you are all one in Christ. If you belong to Christ, you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. I love later in scripture, it says we are co-heirs with Christ. 
that we are, there is no illegitimate children in this kingdom. We are all children and we are all heirs, the Jews and the Gentiles, the high and the low on the socioeconomic status, male, female, all of them are heirs because they're all children of God. And this is powerful stuff. And this is what it means to be in Christ. I love that language that's used here. And we're going to look at another, um, some words from Paul again in a minute where he reminds us again to be in Christ. And I want to pause for a minute as I've been thinking and contemplating what that means. I I grew up and I still believe this. We pray, um, you know, Lord, come into my heart, come into my life. We talk about his power living in us. And I, I love that imagery of Christ being in me. But more than that, more often than the scriptures talking about Christ being in me, the scriptures talk about us being in Christ. And, and this, is, this is important to me. This matters because in this work of reaching beyond ourselves, in this work of going in a world of difference, we have to understand we're not asking Jesus to join us. We're not asking Jesus to come and follow me. No, no, no. We are going and we are following him. If we are in Christ, then we are transformed. Our identity is found in Christ. Our mission, our purpose is found in Christ. Don't miss the importance, as Paul says, that we are in Christ. That's why we're one. That's why we're children. That's why we are all heirs. And that's why the boundary lines that you see drawn, the battle lines that have been drawn, man, they have been eliminated if you are in Christ. Man, this is good news. Look at the life of Jesus. Don't just take Paul's word for it. Consider Jesus for a minute. Jesus built bridges. Jesus built bridges. What, what do you mean by that? I mean, he, he crossed the boundaries, the human boundaries. He deliberately and intentionally sought out the unacceptable and the marginalized in his society. Think about what Jesus did. Uh, think about these examples. In Matthew chapter 9, Jesus built a bridge and he reaches out to a tax collector. And that may not mean anything to you, but they were hated among their own people. They were hated because they collected taxes uh, for the enemy, for the government. So, so they were hated and despised. And Jesus builds a bridge. And he says, hey, you tax collector, come follow me. I want you to be my disciple. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Jesus could choose 12 people to be his disciples, and he's going to choose one of them? Think about later, Luke chapter 5. Jesus builds a bridge, and he ministers to lepers, the physical outcasts. They are, you know, their own family have to disown them. They live on the outskirts of town. They're unclean and unworthy, but Jesus builds a bridge. How about in John chapter 5, the Samaritan woman? Talk about two strikes against you. You're a woman in this Judean culture, and you're a Samaritan. And the Jews and Samaritans did not get along, but Jesus builds a bridge. And he has a relationship, and he crosses the divide that existed between that culture and between that race. Because what did he do? He built bridges. Jesus modeled this. And so we see in Galatians 3 that there is nothing dividing us in Christ. We see that Jesus' life modeled this for us. So what does it mean for us today in the year 2020? I got to go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 
you're not shocked today that I'm reading from this because I've, I've been asking us as a church for a couple weeks now to pray specifically at, at 518. And if you've not caught the memo, man, you're invited today. You're invited today that at 518, my alarm goes off and my kids know. I, I was uh, on the couch uh, last evening at 518. I was kind of laying there being lazy and 518, you know, one of my kids grabs my phone. He comes running in the living room. We got to pray. You know, we're stopping because we believe this is God's word and it's true for us. And so it's not shocking to you today that I want to come back to 2 Corinthians 5. But this is the so what. Again, we've talked about the problem. We've talked about what the good news of the gospel is. We've talked about how Jesus modeled building bridges. But now we get to the so what. What does this mean for us in the year 2020? Verse 17 of 2 Corinthians 5 says this, therefore, man, I wish we could get to what the therefore is pointing to. It's really good stuff in 2 Corinthians 5. We won't get there today. But it says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, there it is, right? In Christ. Their identity is in Christ. Their purpose, their value, their mission is being sourced through Christ, right? If we are in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here That's transformation. That's beautiful. All this is from God. Verse 18, this is what we've been praying together. Who reconciled us to himself through Christ. I want to pause. I just want to make sure you understand. I've been inviting us to pray this, but I want to make sure we understand what 2 Corinthians 5.18 says. Because you see, the biggest barrier that ever existed, the biggest divide that ever existed was sin. It still is. Sin still, its desire in our heart is to separate us from God. And the the biggest barrier that ever existed was a barrier between us and God called sin. Because God is holy and perfect and good and we are not. I'm a mess. And so because of that, there was sin. And that was the greatest divide. and, And it was a barrier. It was a real barrier that I could never cross. And it was a divide that was justified. You know, we're talking about some barriers and some division maybe that's not justified. But man, this is justified. It was sin and I deserve death. That's what the Bible says. But 2 Corinthians 5.18 says that Jesus, God's plan from the beginning to send Jesus so that we could be reconciled. So that the greatest divide that ever existed, Jesus became the bridge for us. So I just got to pause here to understand, understand what's been, if we are in Christ, we're transformed. Why? Because we've been reconciled. Man, we we should be enemies of God. He shouldn't even love us, man. We we were uh, enemies to God, but he loved us anyway. And so what does this mean? What is the so what for us? Follow me as we continue to read verse 18. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. And I hope you have it open in your Bible. This is so good. Gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Get this, get this. The divide was so great. Sin created the barrier I could not cross. And Jesus reconciled us to himself in Christ. And... What is the so what? He gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling us. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation, not once, but twice. 
Paul reminds us that Jesus crossed the greatest divide that ever existed, a divide that was justified, and now he has called us to be about his reconciliation. So we begin with this call and this command to go. We begin with the problem. What's the problem again? I don't like to go. I I don't like people that aren't like me. I'm not comfortable with people that look different or worship differently or believe differently or their culture's different. They speak a different language. Whatever the difference is out there, whatever the barrier is, in in Galatians 3, it lists them. And Paul says, no, 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 man, those, those no longer divide us if we are in Christ. And we see Jesus modeling this. Like we can look and see his life and see that he was a bridge builder. And then we come back to Paul's words and say, oh yeah, by the way, you have been reconciled and now you have been given the ministry of reconciliation. See, the call for us today, church, the so what for us in the year 2020 is this, that we are called, we must build bridges and not barriers. This is the call of God. This is the ministry of reconciliation. And and man, aren't you glad that Jesus did it first? Aren't you glad that when you were divided, when you were lost, when you were separated, he built a bridge for you. But now he looks at you and says, man, if you're in Christ, you're joining me in my mission. That that I'm not done with you yet. You're still, you got air in your lungs, breath in your lungs. So guess what? We're in this together now. And I'm calling you to join me in this work because I don't want any person separated from me every person is made in my image and because of that no matter how different they are I want them to be reconciled to God and so we as his people now carry his mission to build bridges and not barriers let me define what that means build bridges I think it's important Uh, building bridges is simply this when you reach across boundaries as Jesus did to build loving relationships That's what I'm talking about. When we talk about building a bridge, it means reaching across a boundary. Maybe it's a real boundary. Maybe it's a boundary that exists in our mind. But whatever it is, we reach across the boundary as Jesus did. We take our example, our cue from him. We reach across the boundary as Jesus did to build a loving relationship. And why? Not so that we can reconcile people to us. Not so that we can draw people to us. So that we can take the hand of others and take the hand of God and say, man... I want you to be reconciled to God. We don't want any person far from God. We don't want any person lost. We believe that each and every person bears the image of God. And so each and every person, God wants them to be reconciled to him. And we are in the business now of reconciliation. You cannot model the life of Jesus and surround yourself with your own club of sameness. I don't even know that sameness is a word. But we're going to use it here because you cannot model Jesus. You cannot take seriously his call to go and surround yourself with only people that look and act and think like you. You can't. And that's the problem. But the solution is that we've been called to the ministry of reconciliation. Come on, let's finish 2 Corinthians 5. If you still have it open, verse 20 says this, that we are therefore, because of this, because of the ministry of reconciliation, because of the 518 prayers that we're praying each and every evening at 518, because of that, we are Christ's ambassadors. It's as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin, to be sin for us, 
that in him we might become the righteousness of God. There's something that all ambassadors do. They go. They go. They leave their homeland. They leave what's comfortable. They go often to a foreign place, a place that is not home, a place that doesn't look very familiar to them. But an ambassador is sent, and what do they do each and every time? They go wherever they've been sent. It was no different in Jesus' time. And his call, the example, the visual that he paints for us through the word, through the Apostle Paul, is now you are my ambassadors in a world of difference. In a world where, can we be honest, we're a little anxious at times. We're a little fearful. We can be a little confused. We can be a little distressed in these days. But the call of God is that his kingdom will not be shaken. And his kingdom will march on. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And you, children of God, you who are found in Christ... You are the heirs of Christ. You are one. The the boundary lines have been destroyed, and now you have been given my ministry. You are my ambassadors into a world that, by the way, has never needed me more than today. Likewise, the implication of a ministry of reconciliation is not that we huddle in four walls and wait for people to come to us, right? Because if we are ambassadors... Our ministry of reconciliation is active, not passive. In fact, you cannot reconcile passively. That's the truth of God's word. As we prepare to close today, I want to bring us back to Galatians 3. Galatians mentions specifically three barriers that existed. And remember, the call of God for us is to do what? Build bridges not barriers. You're doing one or the other. That's why the ministry of reconciliation isn't passive. It can't be passive. And so there's no neutral. There's no like, well, I'm not building bridges, but I'm not building barriers. You, you, you do one or the other. And in Galatians, we see the examples of racial, cultural tension. We see the example of economic status and positional barriers. We see the example of gender barriers, division that existed. I'm pretty sure that if Paul had more time and space, there were a lot more barriers he could have listed in Galatians chapter 3. Language barriers. Uh, The way people worship, those kind of barriers. Political discord and those barriers. I'm sure Paul could have had a big list in Galatians chapter 3. And the truth is, don't we see the same barriers today? Don't we see the battle lines being drawn? I mean, in a world where we we have Jesus, I'm talking to believers now. I'm not even talking about what's happening outside of the church. I mean, in the church. We've got believers, people who claim to be in Christ, and yet it seems like we've never been more divided. We see the barriers of racial and cultural division like never before. We see the barriers, the political division, like never before. We see the barriers of socioeconomic status. Yes, even gender. We see those barriers still exist today. And the thought of that for some of us can feel overwhelming, maybe discouraging. That that so many years later, we're reading Galatians chapter 3 and we're thinking, what has changed? The problem is still the same. 
as we close today, I want to challenge you. And this is how I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to make it personal. You know how Jesus built bridges? You know how he did it? One person at a time. Now, I believe in systemic changes, and I, I think there's reform and things that we can do. I believe in that, but I'm just here to tell you, as a follower of Jesus, as an ambassador of reconciliation, I believe oftentimes we get so paralyzed when we look at the big picture. We get so paralyzed and lost when we look at all the noise and chaos, and we miss the call to make the ministry of reconciliation personal. What do I mean by personal? I mean one person at a time. You know how Jesus built a bridge, one relationship, one conversation, one meal at a time. And we are called to build bridges, not barriers. And my challenge to you, the church, is let's make this call personal and build one bridge at a time. Uh, can I be honest, church, in this season, in this season of political and racial divide and so much chaos happening around us. Can I, can I tell you what I sense the Lord inviting me to do? I know I've shared it before. I'm going to share it again. The Lord is inviting me to do two things. Adrian, open your eyes and open your ears. Not so much open my mouth. I, I get to do that here often, and I'm grateful for that opportunity. But the Lord said, Adrian, before you say anything, would you, would you pray that you could have eyes to see? And would you pray, Adrian, would you be willing to listen? Listen to me, listen to my voice, and one conversation at a time. Listen to others. What pains my heart in these days, one of the things that we've lost in the church is the ability to have conversation. This is what we do. We, we throw up a, a social media post and, hey man, social media is great. Some of you are watching today through social media, so whatever. But, but we, we, this is what we do. We, we put out a post or a text or a thought or a statement and we just kind of put it out there and then we hide behind our screen or we hide behind our platform or we hide inside our house or whatever and we never really engage. We, we kind of throw jabs at each other and tweets and posts and messages and all that, but we don't really have conversation. And the problem is, the problem is we can see the barrier and we can see the divide and we can speak to it all day, but until we make it personal, we can't really build bridges. We don't build bridges just by throwing words on a page or throwing words out there. Man, that words matter, but you know what really matters right now? Conversation showing up in someone's life. And as we prepare to close, can I just be honest with you today, church, something I've been convicted of in my life as your pastor, that my world right now looks way too much like me. My world, people in my life, and I love you, and I love the church, and, and, and there is great diversity by being together in one body of believers, and we are different, but I just got to tell you, I think about who comes into my home and who I've had around my table, and I just got to tell you, the Lord's been convicting me that I'm way too comfortable with people that just look like me and think like I do and act like I do. And the Lord is inviting me, Adrian, one person at a time, would you build a bridge? Would you be a part of my ministry? One conversation at a time in a world of difference, would you be willing to take a stand? So today, my invitation is that for you. Don't be paralyzed with all that's happening. Don't be so lost that you don't know where to begin. Where do we begin, church? We begin one conversation at a time. I want to pray. And as we close today, we're going to declare something. 
We're going to declare that our God is good. We're going to declare that our God is faithful. We're going to declare that his kingdom will prevail, that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I sense today, church, that we are in a moment, a moment in time, an opportunity where we get to decide as the church, how are we going to respond? Are we going to get absorbed in the chaos? Are we going to be about building barriers or through the power of the Holy Spirit and his ministry of reconciliation, are we going to be willing to build bridges? Because we want every person, we want every person to be drawn into a loving relationship with the God who loved them and sent his son to die for them. And because of that, this is a critical moment for us. And so I'm going to invite you right now, wherever you are watching in your home, uh, would you just close your eyes with me for a minute? I want to pray for you. But, but this is what I want to pray today. I sense the Lord inviting me this week to increase my faith. I sense the Lord inviting me this week to believe that maybe he wants to do something in the church in this season, in the season of distress, in the season of uncertainty, that maybe he wants to reawaken in us something that has never existed before in our lifetime. Maybe there's a great awakening. That, and today, I just want to invite you to answer his call personally. You can't answer for your neighbor. You can't answer it for your family. You can't answer it for your spouse or your friends. But today you can answer and say, yes, Lord, I believe you're good. And I believe you're faithful. And I believe, I believe that you still are calling the church to be the church in these days. And I don't understand all the hate. And I don't understand all the disunity and the division. But I will stand, Lord. I will build a bridge. I will start one conversation at a time to be the minister, the ambassador that you've called me to be. And if that's you today, if that's the posture of your heart, the Lord sees you. And he knows, and I believe all it takes is a spark. All it takes is one spark to ignite a fire, and maybe today you could be the spark that God wants to use. So God, you see us today and you know us. You love us, you're with us, you are for us, you're not against us. Today we declare your goodness, and we stand here at this moment, and we can see the barriers, and we can see the division, and we can see the hate, and we can see the fear, but we choose today to trust, and we choose to join you in your ministry. It's never been more important than it is today. And we declare the goodness of God. We declare, God, that your kingdom is unshaken and we declare God that we want to answer your call for such a time as this in a world of difference God we, we want to go we want to go so Lord call us today invite us to build bridges wherever there's division we love you and we thank you church let's sing these words together as we close thank you again so much for listening today Email us at info at for any questions about our church. As soon as you're finished listening today, please subscribe to this channel for updates and new episodes.